Welcome back, true believers, to the first Silver Screen podcast regular uh, for a while. Hopefully, uh, DK has been keeping you uh, entertained with a couple of uh, cult classics in the meanwhile. Uh, unfortunately, he won't be joining uh, this particular recording. I think he's actually off recording another cult uh, treat for you all lucky people at the moment. Uh, so you're left with just me as the main host today. I'm your regular host, Michael Wilson. I will be the Peter One of today's proceedings. Uh, and I am joined by two guests, a returning guest and a first time one. Uh, first of all, the uh, my Peter Two for the rest of this podcast. Welcome back, Toby. Toby, hi. <laughs> Hi, the self-proclaimed novel expert of this podcast. This <laughs> oh, we're all we're all that, and uh, yeah, very pleased to say, if joining us for the very first time uh, is a guy who I know is a massive comic book nerd and a film fan, and uh, also happens to be my nephew. So please welcome my Peter Three for today, Harry. Welcome. Hello. Hi. And uh, yeah, in case you hadn't guessed from all of those clues that we were giving you, uh, today we are going to be reviewing the film Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, just a little bit of background for that. The reason that we are reviewing this today is because at uh, the time this goes out, you will be almost able to catch Madam Web in cinemas. So I wanted to do something kind of related to tie in with that. Uh, we've already done reviews on the channel that you can find of Spider-Man 2 with myself and the Marvel Corner to Corner podcast. And myself and DK did a review of both the Venom films. So I put a poll out basically uh, last year to try and tie in with knowing this film was coming to say which of the Spider-Man or Sony films would you like us to review. Uh, and I put a list of almost everything down, but I'll be damned if I was sitting through Morbius again. So I don't know if I put that on the list or not. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the poll went out and uh, yeah, all the live action Spider-Man films, except two that we've already seen, plus the, uh, the Spider-Verse animated films. Everything got some responses and some votes, but it was really a two horse race and uh, Into the Spider-Verse came very close. But in the end, No Way Home just pipped it as the more popular. And so that's why we're here reviewing it. So Hopefully it will, uh, you know, catch the algorithm with Madam Web being due out, and hopefully that's not a terrible movie uh, closer to maybe Venom or the Spider-Mans than Morbius. But we shall see. Are you guys both excited to go and see Madam Web? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, the excitement I'm, is palpable. <laughs> I'm, I'm honestly interested in it. Like, I'm interested. I wouldn't in say excited. It's not like I'm staying up all night thinking, oh, my God, Madam Web is coming out. But... <laughs> But I think the trailer looks interesting. I think it's going to be fun. Yeah, if I just like those characters. Fun, I like... That's all I can hope for. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be fun. And it's, I think the thing is, it's, it's kind of fitting again that we're looking at this movie because it seems very kind of multiversal Spider-Man-ish. Like I know that there's characters in there that are like, I'm sure there's an Uncle Ben and there's a, a Peter Parker's mum character in there. And obviously we have the three different Spider-Women and Madam Web and everything. So... It kind of hopefully will tie in and be quite good. And I like those female Spider-Woman characters and everything as well. And I love the um, Ezekiel Sims storyline in the comics. So hopefully they'll do that a little bit of justice in the movie. So we shall see. But we're not here to talk about that. So, yeah, uh, fittingly, we're looking at Spider-Man No Way Home, which uh, it seems like it was a, a worthy winner because whether or not you think it's the best Spider-Man movie, it's it's definitely the most Spider-Man movie. It's, uh, it's fair to say it kind of encompasses everything. Um, I know, Harry, that you've said you went above and beyond the Call of Duty and you've watched all of the Spider-Man films leading up to it in the yes. last week. <laughs> that is dedication. I've seen them enough times to know them off my heart, but I just love that. So you were really were coming to this as like a mm. Spider-Man huge revision session. <laughs> 
it would been a while since I watched a lot of them. It's probably been like nearly ten years since I've watched the Tobey Maguire movies. Mm. And I was younger. Oh, I love them! I love them. And what about you? Can you uh, have you seen any of the others recently, Toby? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. But you did watch No Way Home at least, so that's. I did watch No Way Home. I, I don't think. When was the last time I watched? I think I watched like the first Amazing Spider-Man like two years ago. <laughs> so <laughs> I will say, I think I've only seen Amazing Spider-Man two twice. Once in cinema, once on video, because I'm not a fan of that one. So, yeah, not the best movie. I've, I've seen Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man movies a lot of times. Have you? Oh, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, me, me and my sister, we were big fans when we were younger, so we'd watch them all the time. Oh, was she a fan of Andrew Garfield as well? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, okay. I mean, I'd, I'd say that the films get quite redeemed by this, but I don't want to get ahead of ourselves into the review part of everything. So... Uh, before we do that, I'm going to jump into a little small behind-the-scenes section. I haven't done too much because I want to try and keep it as brief as we can because I know there's lots to talk about in this movie. So if you bear with me, I've just got a little bits and pieces that I want to talk about. And if you guys want to chime in with anything or uh, comment on anything, feel free. Um, so yeah, here comes the BTS for Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, as you probably know, this movie is part of Phase 4 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, or the MCU, uh, which is one segment of what will be known as the Multiverse Saga, when Phases 4 to 6 are complete in probably about 50 years' time at the way things are going, but never mind. Um, I don't know if you can remember this, but negotiations between Sony and Marvel Studios to alter their deal in which they produced the Spider-Man films together ended with Marvel Studios leaving the project in August 2019, but a negative fan reaction apparently led to a new deal between the companies a month later uh, there's rampant speculation that it was negotiation tactics or that it was Tom Holland that talked them out of it or whatever but whatever the reasons I recall like coming out with the news are the deals finished so you'll see no more Spider-Man in the MCU and they're going to fold him into God help us the Sony Spider-Man universe or whatever and <laughs> yeah suffice to say that uh, that didn't last very long until things were somehow resolved and as I say it'll, uh, it'll have to remain as myth what exactly the cause of that was Tom Holland I think claims uh, responsibility for having rung up Bob Iger and told him how much the fans demanded it or whatever but yeah I think money talks personally I guess we'll see yeah. but we'll never know so yeah um, No Way Home as you probably know serves as a crossover between the MCU and the Spider-Man films directed by Sam Raimi and Mark Webb and features several actors reprising their roles from those films including the previous Spider-Man actors Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield the involvement of both actors was the subject of rampant speculation and numerous leaks despite the efforts of Sony, Marvel and the cast to conceal their involvement. And again, I can remember poor Andrew Garfield fielding questions Wait, about this for months. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Talking about being, what was it, the big game of werewolf and <laughs> he felt like he was trying to keep a secret and it was all fake and then it turns out, nope, it was, it was all true. They were there the whole time, so... Uh, yeah, I remember being so. Uh, it was still quite a surprise when it happened in the cinema because I think I was there with our, with Sam, my brother, and uh, that first moment when Andrew Garfield pops out, everybody in the cinema genuinely did like cheer and whoop, and I've never. Yeah, yeah the, the, the atmosphere that. was amazing. Never heard that happen again. Yeah, definitely. But, I mean, but uh, imagine but, you didn't notice. You, you just go like, oh, well, I was still doubtful I'm... because we, yeah. <laughs> We'd had no official confirmation, and at that point, it wasn't like the film needed the characters because I was yeah. like, oh, well, it's still. 
it's a good film, but then when it did happen, I was just like, oh. But mind you saying that, watching it back now, it is so obvious that they're just holding for the applause when those two characters appear, mm. because Andrew Garfield and Toby Maguire just stand still for a solid minute <laughs> and just don't talk, because you're obviously well. like, that was the moment when everyone would be like, woo, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, I remember no one did anything where Charlie Cox's Daredevil came on screen. <laughs> yeah. And I, was, I was so excited for the bit. Yeah, I know, right? That was so weird. Yeah. Oh, that was was another thrilling moment for somebody who's a fan of the the Marvel TV stuff because it's the first sort of... It wasn't the first character from those to come in because I think uh, younger Edwin Jarvis was in Endgame, but this was a big deal, like, you know, Matt Murdock. Yeah, very good. I mean, kind of pointless. It was just a very brief cameo, but... uh, Yeah. Without uh, without wanting to spoil too much, he's in that film for as long as he's in Echo, so <laughs> apparently he's making a business out of it. Wanted. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, shuffling around of the release orders uh, because of COVID-19 meant that this film came out before Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, when it wasn't actually intended to. Uh, the release order was changed, which led to some changes. Uh, it still though came after Loki season one, which had arguably ended by weakening the barriers of and opening access to the multiverse, and this being the first kind of uh, you know revelation of that. But yeah, I did look into it, and originally, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness was supposed to come first, so Doctor Strange would have had knowledge of the multiverse. And I know that there's one key thing, which is that uh, America Chavez would have been the one that was opening all the portals instead of having to have Ned be randomly like, "Oh, my family's got this magic in them," and go around opening them, which might have worked a bit better. But uh, other than that, I can't see a huge amount of uh, too many changes considering the. I mean, everything was shuffled around in uh, the start of Phase Four because of the whole COVID thing. But yeah, and then the less said I think about Multiverse of Madness, the better at this point. We have reviewed that as well. <laughs> if anybody wants to go and uh, suffer that for a bit, so yeah. Um, yeah, well, we've kind of already touched on it, but I was always going to ask uh, you guys, because I often do, like, what was the first time that you saw the film and what can you remember about it? So I'm assuming you, we, all three of us probably saw it in the cinema in the, you know, the, the moment it was released, I assume. Mm. Yeah, I'm released here. Yeah. Was it Scream 1? I think it was Scream 1. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I always mm. go on the release day, but yeah, I know you always have tickets pre-booked, Harry, because you're always so keen yeah. to, uh, to get in there and everything. But uh, yeah, that's cool. Who did you go with then, Harry? My dad. Oh, with your dad? Okay, cool. Mm. cool, cool. Uh, I definitely I think, went with my brother. <laughs> um, I think Jessica went with her friends the day afterwards. Oh, your sister went with her friends. That's mm. enough. <laughs> Probably all just hoping Andrew Garfield appeared first before they went. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they like painted their nails like in Spider-Man colours and everything. Oh, cool. <laughs> I hadn't done any of that. <laughs> Although I am today wearing my No Way Home Spider-Man 3 Spider-Man t-shirt. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah. How about you, Toby? Did you see it in Germany at uh, the cinema as soon as it came out? Yeah. Um, well, we always get it like for Blockbuster. I think we get it like one or two days earlier than. I don't know about the UK, but definitely one day earlier than the US. So I'm always yeah. Like that. Yeah, it's only a few days earlier for us. Yeah, and... I think the Europe's more or less always the same. So Germany and the UK tend to get it a few days before the US, which I think we did. Um, like for us, yeah. it's always. Um, well, it used to be Thursday, but now it's moving actually to Wednesday evening. <laughs> oh, we ours has been Wednesdays for a while. Wednesday is usually when okay. the, the bigger yeah. releases come out. Yeah, um, yeah sometimes Tuesday be, at midnight. <laughs> yeah, it used to be Thursday, mm. but like a lot of Marvel stuff is also Wednesday evening now. Mm. Like we, we moved from Thursday to Wednesday midnight to Wednesday evening. I think soon we'll arrive at Tuesday. <laughs> 
Because we haven't got uh, um, haven't got much to look forward to in the way of Marvel releases for a while because there's only Deadpool three this year, so yeah. we'll see how that. Is. Mm. Last year, Marvel. I mean MCU. Obviously, we know there are four Sony Marvel movies coming out this year. <laughs> four? Wait, wait. Oh, was it three? Hang on, oh, let me think. Madam, Madam Web, Oh, and Venom. Okay, yeah, three. I don't yeah. know where I got four from. Um, maybe from yeah. the four DC movies that traumatized us all throughout this year. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, probably actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, DC taking a well-deserved year off after just bombing hard four times in a row. <laughs> That's dedication. Uh, yeah, I, I keep meaning to review. I haven't actually got my final DCEU review up yet, and I've been to see Aquaman too. It was fine, <laughs> but anyway, what are we going to talk about? Yeah. It was fine. I didn't. I didn't think it was a particularly great. It wasn't as good as the original or anything, and but it was. Yeah, it wasn't. Well offensively bad we're not here to talk about that we're talking about the mcu so because uh, yeah i mean people uh a lot of people have been poo-pooing marvel ever since the end of endgame and i think this film is kind of a, an interesting counter to that with this being in phase four and being probably the i think it's just behind endgame as the biggest financial success and yet it opened during the the covid 19 pandemic so it goes to show you know <laughs> it was very popular yeah. Um, yeah there's a lot of hot takes about the mcu out there that yeah. I don't care to address because uh, yeah, it is the negativity. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that the you know the comic book films or the Marvel Cinematic Universe are on their deathbed or anything, but it's amazing that people forget a lot of the high points, particularly I think when it comes to Phase Four. Because as I was uh, review, as I was kind of looking at this and reviewing it, I went back and looked at Phase Four overall, and I was like, Do you know what? Maybe it's just me, but I really loved this movie. I loved uh, Black Panther two. I thought Agreed. Black Widow, Shang Chi were good movies. Have you not? Oh, wow. No. <laughs> I really liked it. It's fantastic. I you should give it. it a watch. Even if you didn't like the first Black Panther, the introduction of like Namor and Ironheart and stuff, there's a lot of interest in there. So it's uh, it's worth a watch for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway. And, so, yeah. and I see a lot of revisionist history about the MCU lately. Oh, like, like people yeah. that suddenly out of nowhere claim that Nowhere Home was bad and Galaxy 3 was bad and was all bad. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, yeah. Do you hear yourself? Ridiculous. It's just they want they want to pick things to fit the narrative, and I mean, I won't, don't get me wrong. Yeah. There are things, there are more things since Endgame that I've disliked than that I've liked. But even still, multiverse I think of the, madness. <laughs> well, Multiverse of Madness, Eternals, Secret Invasion, and Quantum Mania were probably the four yeah. most egregious oh, kind Invasion. of. Like, oh no! <laughs> exactly. I mean, it, it, Eternals is the only one that I give a pass because it's ambitious. So I'm like, it's fine. Yeah, there was. A, oh yeah, I don't think it's terrible. I don't think. <laughs> I mean, I think the worst ones, unfortunately, are the most recent failures, which would be Quantumania and Secret Invasion, because even Eternals and Multiverse of Madness get points for trying, <laughs> as you said. And uh, I know it's not popular, but I like Thor, Love and Thunder, so, you know, if you don't, tough. <laughs> yeah, for, for me, it didn't hold up on a rewatch. No, I wasn't a big fan of Love and Thunder. Oh, well. <laughs> like, I think I think the, the bad stuff just sticks out more on the rewatch, and it's just getting... But there are a lot of good things. In it, I think it's just not coming together. Yeah. Oh well. Uh, but anyway, yes. If I say there so was this was our in. phase four review. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, I mean, it is relevant. This was a phase four movie, as I said. But uh, so yeah, if you are new to us, uh, we're going to basically break the review down into sections like we always do, but very loosely. So starting with writing and plot, then direction, uh, VFX, sound effects, and music, etc. But again, we are not like beholden to that. If the conversation goes a different way, we'll happily go there and we'll just uh, try and get all of our points out uh, as we can. So 
uh, yeah, just basically rough notes for me to follow so that I know where we're keeping up with in the conversation. So uh, in terms of the writing and the plot, did you guys have any overall thoughts before I jump into the, the beat by beat things or, or not? I don't have any overall thoughts. I have a lot of little notes. Little things. That's so, fine. We'll, yeah. we'll hit them one at a time then. And I, I presume you're all the same, Harry, just little notes as we go. <laughs> yeah, just little notes. Uh, well, I should probably say we uh, obviously we we begin this movie by basically throwing us right into the end of the previous Spider-Man movie, Far From Home. Uh, so if you haven't seen that, you're kind of I'm assuming a little bit lost because the big cliffhanger ending of that film was that Mysterio revealed Peter Parker's identity. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the sort of the opening part of the movie and kind of the main driving part of the plot is Peter's identity being public. And how did you guys feel like the start of the movie handled that? Uh, other than giving us a sly chance for a, a Matt Murdock cameo and some good jokes. <laughs> I really liked it. Um, I loved how it really gets into the energy directly and you're really getting engaged directly. Um, it it really starts off, like like you said, um, directly after the last movie, which not very often happens. And mm. it's a really cool move, really bold move. I And like you really get into energy, into web swinging, into all of this directly to beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really energizing start. Yeah, and it is. It's very high action. And as I say, even when it's played for humor, it is, like you said, it's immediately him, um, sort of Peter grabbing MJ and swinging around and then leaving her on top and getting the phone call from Ned and the whole sort of dude, dude. Yeah, <laughs> I just love it. Him for all those. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I mean, it's high energy. And as you said, I think. It's a really interesting way because they, they kind of marketed it a lot because they couldn't really sell any of the big secrets. They marketed it a lot as this is the first time in the cinematic history of Spider-Man that his identity has been public. And yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think it was handled as best it absolutely could have been. Uh, and they used it to do what they often do with Spider-Man stories in the comics and films and stuff, which is to make him be kind of uh, beaten down and kind of, you know, <laughs> feel responsible for everybody's problems. And that's why people aren't getting into college and so on and so forth. So, and uh, yeah, I mean, even before that, though, you know, having to move to a new place and seeing that there are some people who think he's a hero, some that, you know, I believe Mysterio and whatever. Um but yeah, I think an interesting thing, and I think they spent just about as long dealing with that as they should have. They didn't go too far into it after he kind of went to Doctor Strange and was like, don't like this, let's change it kind of thing. So, yeah. <clears throat> I've just got a load of random notes that are in no particular order, so bear with me, because I thought I was going to go uh, beat by beat, but I'm not going to. So I will say, <laughs> um, obviously, this is the first... Well, not the first, but the first major use of the multiverse in the MCU. They touched on it in Loki, but this is the first thing that does it. And I would say arguably still the thing that uses it the best. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on the way that that's incorporated? Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. There's, uh, there's, I like how there's little like, silhouettes of different Spider-Man characters towards the end. Yeah, you I did. Can, I, I've see, read like, about that, but I still can't spot. <laughs> even the Hunter Black Art, you can see like, all the... I, I still can't see them, but I've seen th- people online identify some of them, and one of them's um, another Spider-Man, so it's either like a doppelganger or a superior Spider-Man. I think Madam Web, they said, mm-hmm. was in there. And I think I can make out Craven because he's holding a big spear, maybe. Yeah, but it's very weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, in terms of the multiverse, though, the way that they basically used it to, instead of sort of introducing anything new, they, they folded in the two other attempts to do Spider-Man universes. I thought that was really clever. Uh, and it, was, it, it gave you a chance to explore characters that we knew, and that you know that's a, a nice shortcut for emotional depth. But it also gave them a chance to to have a nice final act that they never really got to because their kind of their franchises were cancelled or rebooted 
Um, did you guys like that as well, or, mm-hmm. or not? Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you've got uh, Andrew's redemption, saves yes. Andrew. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's a key moment. Definitely. Yeah. I mean that that was. I think that was something I read that the one of the actors came up with on the day as an idea. But it's so cool that, like I said, they, they all deal with unloading their traumas, and his was basically not being able to save Gwen, and then. I love that moment. I think a lot of people, well, basically everybody that you know invested in those movies, loved that moment, and it's a really cool idea. Sure. Anything stick out to you, Toby, that uh, from from the, the use of these characters? Um, just in general about the multiversal use here, I think it's really clever because in not one moment it does feel like a fan service thing, and mm. that's hard to achieve. I feel. Yeah. Like, like I'm not saying there are moments that are fan servicey, but the the characters in this movie acting in this movie never feel like it's just a thing done because of fan service. It always feels like it's part of the plot. It makes sense why it's here. It makes sense why that exists. Yeah, like, I completely agree. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think I would say it is fan service, but it's it's one of those things where I don't think that's necessarily the kind of ugly word that people think it is. And if it's done correctly and done right, which I think this film is a great example of then you know that that's when fan service works but as you said it's it's too often it's just a question of you know i, I would say without wanting to keep picking on it i would say an example of fan service done bad is multiverse of madness which was just here are a bunch of pick you know it's characters so that you haven't seen before and different oh here's an x-man here's an inhuman here's mr fantastic and they're here purely to get killed and buy and it's kind of like well mm. that was meaningless <laughs> that could have been anybody <laughs> so exactly um, but yeah, so no, but this I, I really do like how it's, I mean, even to the villains, I mean, the, the fact that it was, I never thought I'd see like Doc Ock and the Green Goblin or even, you know, Lizard and uh, and Electro again. And oh, it was such a cool little thing, yeah. <laughs> and, and they were handled so well. Um, yeah. Yeah. For sure. But I think we'll um, be talking about the villains in the later part, so I'm not going to have attention to talk to. Okay, yeah. fair enough. I mean, we, we will uh, later than that for sure, because I definitely think... That's definitely one of the film's strengths. Although I will say, I've, I've been frustrated ever since the film came out that they didn't just throw in one more villain and just make it the Sinister Six. Because there's five of them. Mm-hmm. It's so obvious it's right there. <laughs> <laughs> but never mind. Yeah, I can't believe nobody thought of that. Ah, anyway. Um, the other thing that I have a little nitpick about is that they kind of try to explicitly say that the spell goes wrong because the nature of the problem is that it pulls in everybody who knows that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. But I'm pretty sure that Lizard and Venom didn't know who he was. So, like, why did they get pulled in? <laughs> yeah, it's it's a nitpick. And I think people have tried to explain the Venom one by saying, well... Our version of Venom came through. Yeah. It, well, they say that the, version. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't know who Spider-Man is till he comes to this universe. But people have said, well, there's a line in... Uh, what is it, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, where they say, oh, throughout the multiverse, these symbiotes are all like a hive mind. So if one of them knows Peter Parker, Spider-Man, they all do. So that's why he's there, fair enough. But that still doesn't really explain the lizard. Because <laughs> I mean, yeah. shouldn't there have just been like a million Venoms in this movie all over the place? <laughs> like, well, I mean, it did get the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, they, they, they were very careful. So the spell the blocks, to only yeah. Oh, don't, would mean. you really want to see terrible Topher Grace Venom? Because I wouldn't. <laughs> I'll tell you what. No. Uh, anyway, Literally praying uh, on his own form. 
yeah. So yeah, I mean, do you guys think this? Uh, do, do you think the multiverse idea worked? And do you think it is the? Do you agree with me? It's the best use of it so far. Mm, yeah, it's 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 the best use. I'm trying to think where it all has been used, but. Well, I mean, I multiverse so. of madness, but also hints of it in Loki and Quantumania, I suppose. Um, and outside yeah. of Marvel, I mean, you've got DC did Crisis on Infinite oh, Earths on TV. Okay, um, no, I was I was just thinking of Marvel right now. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I mean, um, even technically uh, Into the Spider Verse and Across the Spider Verse are both multiverse things that I think are really, really good, but not quite as, at the level of this because I don't know. I just I respond to the story of this one. I think a little bit more. <clears throat> yeah, I I think this mm -hmm. this is most more straight multiverse movies, uh, movie while uh, Into Spiders is more like in the everything, everywhere, all at once type of multiverse yeah. movie. It's more yeah. like crazy Normally stuff. multiverse movies, everything's all crowded, like there's too much, this is more grounded. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, well, let's see. So, um, I, I kind of love that, for me, and I'll, I'll go into this now, for me, one of the things that I love about this film, not to not to tip my hand in terms of uh, whether I liked or disliked it, but one of the things I love is that it seems to be basically, uh, like, it's a canon repair film for the MCU Spider-Man, because I know it was wildly popular, but I was not really a big fan of Spider-Man Homecoming, because to me it just didn't feel quite right, and a lot of the stuff that's key to Spider-Man left out and i think it's quite telling that this film basically reintroduces all of those things so you have like aunt may is given the uncle ben moment from the origin that everybody said they didn't really want but i think is vital to spider-man so she gets to be the one that says you know with great power there must come great responsibility and gives him that i suppose canon event is what across the spider-verse would call it that uh, yeah. all these kind of spider-men are, are, yeah. are meant to have um, you know i have opinions about this <laughs> okay think... go for it go for it yeah uh well when we did this top 10 novel where I ranted about this and I was like not amused by it after rewatching it, I'm at this point where I'm like, it works very perfectly in this movie, but I feel like as a part of this trilogy, it kind of disrupts maybe a bit too much this trilogy in a way. Like it, like I said, it's very retroactively trying to fix things and that is a little awkward, I think. But in, oh, I, I, contained I, I, in this movie, it works perfectly. But having the other two movies as well, uh, Homecoming and Far um, From Home, I think it maybe even doubles already what they try to do with Tony, but then like also kind of botched. Uh, it's it's a little bit awkward, I'd say. See, I, I don't I don't agree. I think it it works perfectly for me because, like I said, it's the kind of although people didn't think they wanted that kind of Uncle Ben moment, I think it's key to the character of Spider Man. And I think the fact that it's, it, I think it helps that he's in a scene in scenes with the other two who have had the same moments, and they can all kind of share their trauma. Because, like I said, I, I love Spider Man, but one of the things that's kind of key about the character is he basically just has to have life crapping on him at all times, so that you can sort of think, yeah, he's the he's the hero that conquers all of this. Because my word is, life is pretty dark when you look at it and all the stuff he's been through and everything. And I think for me, I, I felt like there was a moment and it's just before the other two Spider-Men come in where it was like he's at his darkest hour because the world knows who he is and he hates it. He's still, 
as he says, I'm the world's most famous person, but I'm still broke. He's got no privacy whatsoever. He's hated by half the population. And at that point, he's tried to kind of help the villains and Aunt May is being killed. And he's like absolutely the darkest moment. And I was like, it's quite telling that the film basically is effectively saying it's at this point that he needs to learn the importance of the legacy of Spider-Man. And that's why the very next scene is the other two Peter Parker's coming in. And I was like, that's actually really genius kind of structuring of the the film, the way that they did that, because it's working perfectly well as a film, like I said, but I feel like because they held off the fan service part until, yeah, like I said, it was needed there to be like, to reinforce why we need Spider-Man and the importance and, you know, to, to have that kind of brotherly bond that they all three of them have. I think that works really well. Um, yeah. But obviously, yeah, you don't agree. You don't love the, uh, the Aunt May getting killed thing, I presume, Toby, so... Um, yeah. Well, well, I love it as part of this movie, but I don't love it as part as of the trilogy. That's right. kind of my stance. Yeah, see, that's what I was saying. Because like, I think, like I said, I, I didn't love the MCU Spider-Man. And I think, unfortunately, or fortunately for me, all of the things that I had an issue with are, are gone because of the plot of this movie. So the idea that far too many people know that Peter Parker is Spider-Man is resolved at the end. Um, the idea that he's basically, and I know it's a common criticism, but I still I, I kind of agree with it, that he was like Iron Man Jr., because I always hated that he like he was basically flying around in miniature Spider-Man, Iron Man type suits. Mm -hmm. So I love at the end of the movie that he's basically just made his own suit, inspired by the other two for the first time as well. And it's not Stark tech and he doesn't have all this billion dollars of technology he can call on. He just literally is, you know, the neighborhood Spider-Man going out and helping. Mm -hmm. I don't love that he's got nobody on his side at this point because that is too far for me of the life's beating you up thing because the whole point in Ant-Me is usually that she's there as his kind of rock when everybody else is lost and I feel just so devastated at the end of this movie when you know everybody forgets who he is and he decides to do the Spider-Man heroic sacrifice thing of I'm not going to tell them because their life's better off and I'm kind of like ooh, it's a very dark lonely life for poor Peter Parker at the end of this movie isn't it mm. and uh, yeah. yeah I don't I mean, love that the entire trilogy is just like an origin story really yeah Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. well, I think I, I, I don't have issues with the ending. To make this clear, I just mm. think it leaves it in an awkward place for whatever will be Spider-Man Four, which we know will happen. Oh yeah, they so, confirmed that. Yeah. So, so it's like, it's like honestly, it's it's a, it's a reboot almost. Really, like it's yeah. all back. We have only. Peter, and that's that's kind of a weird thing for have a fourth movie and like no one is back. But it's time you can't bring anyone back because then you're just undermining this ending. So if that's the thing, I mean that's not this movie's fault, but I agree with you. I think it's going to be very important to see how how they handle bringing back MJ and Ned because it is going to be a huge letdown if they've kind of built this up and then at the start of the next movie it's just like oh by the way here's the truth after all and. So they have to do. They're gonna to have to tread very carefully with that plot. I think, basically. Yeah, and 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 also, and also like not bringing anyone back. Is also, I think, would be weird if they just start. Oh, they've. Over. I think they've confirmed it's gonna be the same cast. So it'll be like Zendaya okay, and Jacob yeah. Battleon and and whatever will be back in the movie. But like you said, it's it's a question of will they be back just as yeah. random like people that help out but don't know who he is? Will they will they get their memories back somehow? What will yeah. what will happen? Um, I don't even know if, I mean, there's a chance we might see Spider-Man before Spider-Man 4, and that might answer these questions if it's some kind of big Secret Wars event that then undoes the magic or reboots the universe or whatever else. So, I mean, that would be stupid. <laughs> Please don't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, stranger things have happened, as we know, but yeah. Yeah. 
Well, we all all hate those strange things that Yeah, but that's comics. I mean, every ten years they're going to do it anyway. So. Yeah, as a DC Yay. fan, I'm used to reboots by now. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes, they're they're on about their seventh in the last what, ten years or something, aren't they? At this point. So, yeah. Um, Infinite yeah, Crisis so... was like the last one. Oh, that's way more than Infinite Crisis Rebirth. I think year one at one point. But, I mean, Marvel are just as bad. For doing all new, all different, and then the Age of Heroes and a whole bunch of stuff. They always they're always rebooting because they think people won't jump on unless it's an issue one and whatever. But yeah, I, I kind of I'm with you. I hope the MCU doesn't decide that the, the only way forward is to to Doctor Who it, as I'm going to call it, and basically reboot it from the n- number it's back from number one again. <laughs> so yeah, kind of annoying. Um, cool. Uh, so the other thing I've got like a little bit about in my uh, notes of writing is that. I really love, I think they kind of pay the perfect kind of, again, not to use the word, but fan service when it comes to the conversations that the three Spider-Men have. Uh, did you guys have any favorite things that come up? Because I think it's it's so cool that they do all the things that you'd hope that they would fit into the script. Simply the moment where they find out about Toby's organic webs. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Great. That was the first one I have as well when they're just they're asking about it and he's... A little bit iffy and... Like, hey, you can't do that, can't you? Can't do that. Uh, have you ever had a web block? Yeah, actually, I, now that I'm remembering, I, I did once, yes. <laughs> and, uh, and then the obvious kind of, does it just come out of your wrists? Yeah, it does. <laughs> so, yeah, I love those Maguire Spider-Man movies. It's so great for me to see the kind of the characters come back. And uh, I, I know, again, people might well complain about this level of fan service, but I did get a chuckle when they used uh, the line... From Norman Osborne when he's like, "Hey, I could help. I'm something of a scientist myself." Because <laughs> yeah. that's become such a meme. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was fun. That was fun. Yeah. I don't care. Was There's so many Norman Osborne memes. Have you seen the McRib one? No. What's that so one? He just wants to have. It's just the replace every scene with him just wanting to have a McRib. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Cool. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're kind of we're organically touching on it. So we'll talk a little bit about the villains because, as I said, th- there was the humor of the kind of the Green Goblin thing, but I think they perfectly kind of marry that with the, the the right reverence of the references back. So I love whenever Doc Ock's like the power of the sword in the palm of my hand, or mentioning you know his experiments or, or the reasons behind uh, you know the, him attacking. And I think I mean what a, I've always long said Spider-Man is like a contender for my favorite comic book or superhero movie. And I love the way that the action scenes play with Doc Ock's um, tentacles and stuff. And I think for me, the his kind of opening scene in this movie when they're on the bridge and Doc Ock attacks uh, Spider-Man as he's kind of talking to the admissions lady from the university or whatever. Um, for me, that's that's an equally good action scene as any of the Doc Ock scenes in Spider-Man 2. I just think it's it's fantastic. Did you guys like it as well? Or? Yeah, I, I, I honestly think it was the best action scene in, in the movie. Um, yeah. Like, like I, I love the end battle, but like, this was just so, this is just really cool to watch. This is just the one that's most fun to watch. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's, it is partly because I'm having the thrill of like, these are my favorite, you know, versions of the characters from the movie I love. But I also like that they, the way they interact with this new universe and kind of, the fact that, as much as I kind of dislike the kind of Iron Manization of Spider-Man, the fact is his suit has got the nanotech, and so it just takes over Doc Ock's tentacles, and he's like, oh, <laughs> okay, now what? <laughs> so uh, it's, it's a cool little idea. Um, what about you, uh, uh, Harry, anything? The literal one to steal the, the Ock reactor 
Yeah, of course, yeah. And uh, before I forget, I will say, um, I, I do like that they kind of go out of their way to also improve the designs of the villains that they've kind of mucked up in the previous films. So that instead of having the weird Ultimate-inspired blue Electro, he's just a person with the electric powers, and they even have the Easter yeah, it's, egg it's of... Yeah, like, the comics. You've got, like, yeah, the helmets, whatever. Mask. Yeah, the little mask that's, like, the electricity forms looks like the, the cheesy mask on Electro's face. But even, like, Green Goblin, I was never a big fan of... Even though I love the, the Raimi films, I was never a fan of like the robotic suit thing that they gave him in the first Spider-Man film. And they kind of go out of their way to break the helmet in this movie, give him the kind of dilapidated looking green cloak and the purple hood and everything. And I was like, even the Green Goblin looks better in this movie than the, mm. than the previous attempt at it. Um, yeah, I will say I didn't love the fact that it was quite blatantly obvious that they didn't get the actors back for Lizard and Sandman. So it was just yeah. the, CGI it's the whole time. Like CGI then. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not so bad for Lizard, because that's what the character's like, but there's no reason why the Sandman would be walking around just in sand form the entire time. Mm. So it's quite obvious, like, okay, you couldn't get the actor, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. Anything there? What were you going to reference about the villains then, uh, Toby? Yeah, well, um, well they they give um, uh, Otto Octavius, like, a redemption arc, kind of. Mm. Um, yeah. And what I really liked about it is... That, that he gets it with because he's the only one that after all this fixing stuff he gets to keep his power so like he has no problem uh yeah staying with his arms just not having this i think it's called noise in his head yeah so, like, well i mean they, that's that's... he wants yeah. to keep the powers but the others they are going to lose their power so it makes more sense that they're more nervous about it and ultimately uh don't go well don't want to go through with it ultimately then yeah it's a weird situation because i think it stems back to spider-man 2 where they kind of say like the it's because the inhibitor chip is damaged that the arms have kind of taken over and the, the ai of them is controlling him now so if you repair that then you're kind of fine he doesn't need to worry about it. he controls the arms now um, but you are right that it is weird that that's the only kind of like powers i suppose that, that they get to keep um but then again a few of them are kind of like, would you really want to do that? Like, would you want to stay as a lizard man forever? Because I wouldn't. <laughs> you know? Just wants to turn everyone into lizards. I think you, think you would love to. <laughs> I have to say as well, I there's so many little moments. Like, I know people criticize the humor in Marvel films, but I, I laughed at so many of the cool moments at the start and, like, the moments the villains get. And there was a line that the lizard has in this film that I never noticed before or never paid attention to when uh, they're all talking in Doctor Strange's dungeon and Lizard just goes, no way, that's his girlfriend. No way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, I like that Doc Ock has that redemption arc because I think that character was always kind of sympathetic more than the others. I mean, Norman to an extent when he's not being the Green Goblin, but I think this movie kind of pushes him a bit too far in the other direction to, to still consider him sympathetic with the whole killing of Aunt May and everything. Um, but I do love though that his Peter basically stops, you know, Tom Holland Peter from murdering him at the end. I think that's a really cool, powerful moment as well. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> well, he said that I, that the redemption art of Octavius is just, I, I think it's probably one of the best, maybe the best arc of this movie, I think. In my opinion, hmm. I, I'd say I, I like all well, of the out, outside outside of the the, the main cast. I, I yeah. So, what do you guys think about? Because the the overall kind of idea of the film basically boils down to Peter Parker, Spider Man is kind of a heroic figure, 
as we know from the whole power and responsibility speech and whatever, and Aunt May being, you know, the kind of person that tries to teach him to be good. So it all boils down to him basically being so moral that he won't send these villains back to die and he wants to cure them. How do you guys feel about that plotline? Because I, I personally love it, but I can see some people that might be like, well, it's not your responsibility or you're a bit gullible or I just was a little bit too cheesy maybe. Uh, so yeah, what, what were you guys' takes on that? <laughs> I don't think it's too choosy. I think it's in his nature to do that. Yeah. I also think it, it really works because, like, he doesn't know these people, like, to a point where, like, he can just go 100% judgment. Uh, they are beyond helping. Like, yeah. like, he just met them, like, they made some shit, and, like, he doesn't he doesn't know the, the, the details of it all that maybe uh, the other Spider-Man do know more about. Um, so I think it makes sense that he is like, I'm going to help these people. Yeah. They might be good people underneath. And like he has, he has that example of uh, um, Osborne, the, the good half of Osborne. Yeah. I and, mean, well, all of them really, I mean, he doesn't know that the lizard in his human form is completely different. And even to the point of like Sandman doesn't do anything wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it's only when Doctor Strange yeah. turns up, he's like, "Ah, freak!" In the in the cell, you go, and it's kind of like, "Hey, man, I was helping you." <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I'm with you on that. I think you, you can definitely see why he would be like, "It's not fair to judge them and or to send them back just to die would be would be really harsh." But yeah, cool. Um, so the only, I think the only other thing we really haven't talked about in terms of like major plot writing ideas of the movie is uh, there's always the integration of an MCU character in these uh, this particular trilogy, and it's Tony Stark in Homecoming, obviously Nick Fury in Far From Home, and in this one obviously it's Doctor Strange. Uh, I personally love whenever Spider-Man and Doctor Strange interact because I'm a classic comic book nerd, and whenever those kind of Stanley Steve Ditko creations interact, it just it it makes my classic comic book nerd head very happy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think to me there are moments in the film where it's quite obvious that Strange is there to fulfill a function and they don't really know what to do with him a whole lot of the time, uh, which is yeah, a bit of a shame. He's trapped in the mirror dimension for like 45 minutes. For a while. I mean, but not even that, like when they go to the Sanctum, uh, although a lot of the humor and kind of moments like that w work for me, I still don't get the joke or the point of like they turn up to the Sanctum and it's completely covered in snow. And it's like, oh, well, somebody left a portal open, blah, blah, blah. Like, this mm -hmm. just isn't really funny. You know, it's kind of just weird. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think uh, Strange acts a little bit weird, I think, for me throughout it. Because uh, I remember people saying at the time maybe it was like a scroll or maybe it was, it would have been the effect the multiverse had had if, if it had come after his movie or whatever. But yeah, there's just, there's a kind of odd, I guess, yeah, meanness I, at times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and he's like a little bit of a little bit goofy in a weird way in this movie. Like, no, that's Scooby Doo line. Yeah, and then I'm yeah. like, yeah, like, yeah. like it's it's not that 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 Doctor Strange can't be funny in, in in the movies, but like this is the wrong kind. Yeah, it's like you said, it's not the fact that he's funny; it's the fact that it's using for humor. It's kind of trying to make him look incompetent, and we know that he's not. So yeah. yeah, I mean, even to the point of like the comedy with him keep changing the spell and everything. And it's kind of, for me, that it veers just a bit too far on the side of, all right, you're being a bit silly here, aren't we really, you know? Um, I mean, I get it, it's necessary for the plot, but yeah. I much preferred the kind of humor of the idea afterwards when Dr. Strange is like, what, you haven't even asked? You wanted me to brainwash the world before you even thought to just, hmm. you know, go to admissions and yeah. talk to them? <laughs> Because we've all been there. <laughs> so, yeah. 
Um, I can't really think of anything else. Uh, but no, I mean, I love the use of Doctor Strange, and I will say, uh, it's, I'll probably talk about it a bit more when we talk about the direction and stuff, but the scenes in the Mirror Dimension are just, as we talked about uh, Toby during our Doctor Strange review, just gorgeous. They just look incredible. Yeah. Some of the best scenes in the movie. Yeah. And I really do love that they remember that, uh, unlike in Homecoming, they remember that Peter Parker is a genius. So even though Doctor Strange thinks he's got They're the best of him in the Mirror Dimension, he's like, no, nope, just geometry. I, I know that. <laughs> he basically just gets the better yeah. of Strange because he's smarter than him. And I'm like, yes, exactly. That was exactly what would happen. So, yeah. Um, yeah, love it, just love it. And that's the thing, you, you kind of have to have the magic kind of thing there. And I will say that there's a great moment at the end after after I've criticized kind of Doctor Strange and whatever, I do really love how heartfelt it is at the end when he basically admits that, you know, we've saved the world together and we're all going to forget, you know, that everybody that loves you, all of us will forget who you are. And you can see that, I think, in Benedict Cumberbatch's performance that he's really hurt by this. He doesn't want to kind of forget him. And there, there is that beautiful kind of camaraderie and... It probably doesn't mean anything to you if you haven't seen Infinity War and Endgame, unfortunately. <laughs> but, you know, given that we have, we can kind of appreciate that relationship, I think, a bit more as well. So, speaking of which, that was also pretty funny when they were discussing the, the different uh, villains they'd all fought as Spider-Man. And, uh, you know, Tobey Maguire's like, I, I faced a, a alien made out of black dudes. And, uh, Tom Holland's like, oh, I faced a purple alien in outer space. And then Andrew Goff is, oh, man, I just fought a dude in a rhino suit. <laughs> I'm kind of lame. <laughs> no, you're amazing. <laughs> Yeah, love it. It's just, it's it's funny because everyone always says he's like the coolest Spider-Man. Like he's, yeah, he's not for sure. He's not portrayed so it's like nerdy in the movies. Definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, but I think as I say, going back to kind of to finish off what I was saying about you know the the characters of Doctor Strange and Spider-Man, the way they're portrayed here, and the way that I like the Spider-Man side of things, I think it all boils down to the lines about like. Dr. Strange saying, in the grand calculus of the multiverse, their sacrifice means infinitely more than their lives. I'm sorry, if they die, they die, which is quite callous. And then, you know, the villain saying to Spider-Man later, you could have just left us to die. Why didn't you? And then I think it's MJ responds with, because it's not who he is. It's as simple as that. I just like, yeah. yes, love it. I love it. And uh, because we, you know, it's, it's in the writing and I have to talk about it because I guess I do. That post credit scene, just, just what the heck. Just Venom trying with Danny Rojas and Ted Lasso for no reason. What was yeah. that about? It, 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 like, sets up the suit, I guess, because you see, like, a little bit of Venom. It would be nice if it did, but, I mean, this is... <laughs> how many years removed and we still haven't done anything about that yet? So... I mean, I, I guess they got to be in, in Spider-Man 4, like, where yeah. else? Um, which, now, was thinking that... about it, is not the worst idea for... For a villain for the next Spider-Man, seeing how this ended, I think that might make sense. It makes sense in my head. <laughs> what 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 is the black suit you mean? Yeah, the yeah, black suit venom this okay. storyline. I think I think it does make sense for the next movie to go there. It's just it's interesting hmm. because I remember that it was during the first comic book Secret Wars that Spider-Man got the black suit in the first place, before they even knew it was like a symbiote of Venom or whatever. Uh so it'd be interesting if it happens in the kind of the, the, the adaptation of the more modern Secret Wars. No, please, entirely stop. <laughs> please stop doing important things in this in these crossover movies. <laughs> we had this with Guys of the Galaxy mm. and it left everyone traumatized for true. Like, <laughs> don't. I mean, you're gonna have to do some things though if it's a big epic kind of thing like they're trying to make out it is. And now you haven't yeah, got but... the use of Kang anymore. So <laughs> yeah, but, but oh, yeah. the characters that they're gonna die or not appear anyway. <laughs> Yeah, well, fair enough. Don't, don't no, I mean, uh, movies, please don't. <laughs> no. 
no, but I mean that it just seemed like there was so much build up to Venom. Uh, you know, right the way everybody was saying, you know, you have to go and see Let There Be Carnage because the post credit scene's a huge thing, and it was him getting transported to the MCU at the end of that movie, and then you see the post credit scene of this, and it's him just getting sent straight back, and it's like, so was all of that just so that we could have a tiny bit of symbiote in the MCU that they're not going to address for years? It's kind of, huh? I mean, yeah. I, I don't love any of the post credit scenes, basically after, you know, from Phase Four onwards, anyway, because they all just yeah. feel like. And here's something we might address at some point in the future. Yeah, they're but all don't just up like the next movie. Yeah, but not even the next movie. It's just stuff that we haven't seen. It's always like here's Harry Harry Styles or here's Hercules or here's you yeah. know whatever else, and, and we're not dealing with it yeah, at it's all. It's just kind of it's yeah. often a movie that is not even announced. Like it's a exactly movie. Yeah. we don't like the bare minimum is I should be able to look at a post and go, oh, this is this movie, even if it's like not the next one, but the second next or third next. I should know it's this movie. Yeah, and we know this movie. It's been announced. Not, it's a movie somewhere in the next ten years. I don't know. Make up a name. <laughs> exactly. We'll, we'll change the actor in that time as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, that's the other thing I wanted to say because kind of like, I was thinking about this earlier, and I was kind of thinking it's annoying. And I know we've talked about this at length, Toby, but it's annoying that Marvel yeah. see the whole Jonathan Major situation as a, as a problem because. Like I said, the first two uses of the multiverse are Loki season one and this, and they're both set up that your multiversal variants all don't look like you. Yeah, so... the one guy who has like an infinite amount of versions of him. And yeah. they all look like different majors. Yeah, and, <laughs> I, and I, I think we all give consent to it and ignore the Quantumania postgrad. <laughs> oh yeah, at this point we're just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> just do it. <laughs> it hasn't stopped you ignoring the first Doctor Strange post when it seems it's how many years? Oh god, that's a good point. Oof. So you could do it again. I think that's that's basically all I have on the writing anyway. So did you guys have anything uh, outstanding that you wanted to talk about? Any other notes on that? Uh, I did have a note and I forgot about it yet. Now, uh, oh yeah, I, I, I have it again. One small little thing, which I think is really clever, is the fact that they make Wong the Sorcerer Supreme because Doctor Strange mm. got split. And you split. <laughs> yeah, and and it, and it allows him to appear more often throughout mm. the stuff, which he has. Uh, I think because just building <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch for every little appearance is maybe a bit expensive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so it allows the, the Sorcerer Supreme to just be all over the place. Like he was in She-Hulk and in... Um, oh, I loved him in She-Hulk, Wong. It was great. Madison was also my key. Just comes and yeah, it. Wong and Madison were the best <laughs> double acting phase yeah. four. <laughs> yeah, really that was fantastic. Oh, I hope we get another season of that show. And, uh, and the, like you he, know, the usual suspect yeah. here. <laughs> oh, and, and no way. I'm not watching another season of She-Hulk. Ah, well. Um... Yeah, so uh, is that everything for the writing then before I move us to the just just acting in general, which we've kind of talked about, I think, at length, but we can touch on anything we haven't mentioned. Uh, so, yeah, um, I, anything I, on writing or? I Well, yeah, I think it's writing. Um, what I really like is the way they incorporate media and like like TikTok and that stuff. Like 9.9% of movies, this comes off as really corny, really awkward. Really mm. weird look, kids. We are fun, <laughs> and, yeah. and I don't know how it pulls it off, but it it, it, it just feels organically. It just fits, yeah, in and works perfectly. 
I haven't mentioned it, but I think I might have mentioned it when I when it comes to the acting because it's related to the um, J.K. Simmons. Uh, it's kind of nice to see him oh, back as a different J. Jonah Jameson. But it's very interesting that because of the times that we're in, instead of being like the angry newspaper editor, he's basically like Alex Jones, the kind of mm-hmm. controversial, like uh, just doing a, a YouTube channel where he's yeah, railing just, against I mean, like... Uh, it's just him with tons of newspapers around him in his house. Yeah, <laughs> but he's like he's a. They say like they are the controversial YouTube channel that's based on like all of the right wing kind of stuff that you get nowadays that are just spewing hate, rather than being like a reputable newspaper or whatever. And I think it's an interesting way to to take that character because he's really detestable as well because he's basically responsible for May's death and then spends the time blaming Spider Man afterwards when he does the interview and and calls in and it's like oh see it's all your fault and I was like you're the one that trailed him you jerk <laughs> anyway. Um, I, I was also really fun how the police arrives uh, at, at the scene and just they don't know that, that she's like dead dead they could have run in and rescue her they're just too busy uh, it's, um, uh, it's not it's not actually the police because somebody pointed this out yeah, on one of the police, um, what is uh, somebody on IMDB was like the police just bur- burst in and start shooting and they would never do that and somebody was like it's not the police it's damage control who we've seen are quite capable of okay. doing that they tried to kill Ms. Marvel just like because yeah, yeah. she was, was in trouble you know <laughs> no, the thing I just mean is that they just not that they're directly shooting but that they're Basically, letting a civilian die. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, well, nobody, just, yeah, nobody yeah. checks on me at all. It's just kind of like, yeah, uh, yeah. Peter just run. <laughs> like, oh, well. she, she could have not been dead. Who knows? They don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, she is by the end. I tell you yeah, because they just let her die. It's weird though, because like that in that scene, Happy's the one that basically decides, even though he's got no like line of sight, he can't really see much going on. It's just kind of like, oh, Peter, you better run. She's dead, and I'm like. How can you tell from there? You know? oh, I can. I just know our hearts are linked. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So um, cool. Uh, anything on uh, writing from you, Harry? Before we move on. Uh, no, 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 really. Uh, well, I'll try and uh, knock a lot of the acting out just because uh, I think we've talked about some of it, uh, and I don't have much to see on a, a few of the things. But um, I'll come to you guys first, and Toby will start with you. What did you? Uh, did you have any particular sort of things you would, thought would stand out in the acting uh, department? Um, standout things. I I think everyone is just doing a phenomenal job. I'm I'm trying to think if anyone mm. was like the top player, but like I just think everyone in the acting department is doing amazing. Mm. Like I could yeah. say about everyone what they did great, but I want to go on thirty minutes. I mean, I've got little examples, like, but I mean, we'd we'll be here all day if we said like every little bit that was great. But we've talked about a few. Yeah. Like I said when it comes to the three Spider Men, we've already said we love that they basically they take you on their emotional journeys and their arcs. And yeah, I mean, uh, even Tom Holland. The, the key for, key things for me are like when he's basically trying to be the hero Spider Man, but mostly during the uh, the Aunt May death scene. I found that like really heartbreaking and quite powerful. <laughs> Um, oh, and then uh, when he says he wants to kill, excuse me, kill Osborne because of it afterwards, I really felt like that rage, you know? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't uh, want to kill you myself. Yeah, exactly. And uh, But like, as I said, it's it's nice to be able to touch base with the Andrew Garfield and Tommy McGuire's because we never thought we'd see them again. And we do get, as you mentioned, that moment of redemption for the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man or Tommy McGuire talking about how he's making it work with MG and that kind of nice... Yeah, he's calmed down now. Yeah, the nice moment yeah. of him like meeting meeting Octavius again when he's being cured, and there's actually like a nice little oh dear boy, it's great to see you again moment and everything, and 
yeah, all that I absolutely love. <laughs> Suffice to say. Um, where was I gonna? So, did you guys have anything about the the three Spider Men that you wanted to bring up that I haven't yet? Well, I guess it's more of, it's a more of a writing thing, but I just really like how they just wrote with it that well, the actors are older, so we're just going to push the Spider Men a couple of years into the future. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that that's that just. It's just a great idea, and it is. It's very, it's very clever, very cleverly done. Yeah. I said that it takes complete advantage of the fact that you know, I would assume, a hundred percent, if not like ninety nine percent of the people watching this are familiar with these characters, and yeah. you've done the legwork because you know them rather <laughs> than having to introduce them and then start to care about them. You know, so cool. Uh, so, what did you guys think about Marissa Tomei? Because I think she's been great as Aunt May throughout these films. She's got a nice kind of, yeah, she's got a, a nice charming yeah. kind of humor to her. But she absolutely sold me on when she had to basically become the Uncle Ben figure in this movie and delivered the actual correct version of the line, by the way, from the comic. So I, I love that. Same or not? Yeah, no, I I, I love, I love her throughout the three movies. Um, well, I guess it's again a writing thing, <laughs> but I really really like how across the three movies she feels she feels and probably is more present than the other. Um, Maze, so I really like that she's taking like she's not taking too much space up, but like I feel like she has more space in these movies than in the up uh, the other. Anime. Yeah, I feel like it's probably because having having made her a bit younger, I think she gets to be a bit more protective of Peter. Yeah. Whereas because you know elderly Aunt May, it always feels like Peter's kind of protecting her. Uh, so it's a different dynamic in that regard, which again I think works for when she basically has to sacrifice herself to to give him the motivation, I suppose. Uh, so what did you think about, let's see, uh, Zendaya and Jacob Batalon as MJ and Ned as the kind of sidekick versions of the characters, aside from the fact that it's entirely unbelievable that you would not tell Zendaya that she's your girlfriend? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah. Any thoughts on that? I think they work really well as the sidekicks for this Spider-Man myself. Mm. I totally agree. I think, they, I think they work really well, mostly because they both bring a different energy and they complement each other so well i think that's really the key of it yes absolutely yeah it's nice so close you like the actors are so close in real life yeah just great actors as well though i mean even like the little moment at the end where you kind of feel you're you're feeling what peter's feeling and as mg is talking about like she's happy that she got into uh the school and it doesn't even hurt anymore and whatever else and you just you feel kind of I don't know something, but in that performance, that's just like, okay, there's there's a bit of depth here. Uh, but equally, I mean, she's also really funny when she needs to be. When she's like, uh, at the very start, when they're talking about like, oh, it's, it's seeing that certain spiders have pheromones, and oh, shut up, uh, yes, my spider lord. <laughs> kind of thing, you know? <laughs> she can be that that kind of charming, sweet thing as well. And again, in terms of like repairing this MCU Spider-Man, it's telling that this film's the first time that we hear that she is actually MJ Watson because <laughs> they clearly, like, they were kind of leaning away from her being the equivalent of MJ entirely, and then in this film we're like, nah, it is. We'll just accept it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> um, we've talked a bit about, well, we've talked about Benedict Cumberbatch and the villains, I think. We've said uh, uh, quite a lot. I always think Willem Dafoe is fantastic. The way he yeah, can play both the both sides of the Green Goblin is just incredible. And he's terrifying when he switches to the whole Norman's on sabbatical, honey, kind of moments. It's just like, oh, amazing. Um, 
I love Molina, as you know, because he gets to be the good guy. I think Jamie Foxx really surprised me because I kind of hated that character in Amazing Spider-Man 2. And he's, again, he gets to be, like, charming and quite funny in this one. So, like, he, the whole thing about, that's just a tree, man. Or when he's discussing with Sandman <laughs> how they got their powers and it's like, you got to be careful where you fall. And even the little <laughs> moment when he's, like, he gets to say to Spider-Man, oh, man, I thought you'd be black. There's got to be a black Spider-Man somewhere. Mm-hmm. And as we know, there is. It's like, <laughs> it's like I'm sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I, I think there has just been a lot of death lost in the writing of Amazing Spider-Man Two. So, um, so this movie gives him a lot of smaller things that just give him more death, and so Jamie Foxx can just more, but play with this, play with the death yeah. of this character more than Amazing Spider-Man Two. Yeah, exactly. Which I don't hate as much as most other people, but it's still not. I don't. He's not the worst part of it. The worst thing in it is the awful woman Harry Osborne new. Goblin. Yeah, it's, it's Green Goblin. He, he just <sighs> randomly appears towards the yeah. end. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll have to give it a watch again sometime because I haven't. But again, you you know better than us. I think Harry, how well they all gel together because you've watched them all, <laughs> so you can tell us. I think better than uh... he just randomly starts to work with Electro, and he's. And then after that, he doesn't appear for like half an hour, and then he comes back and kills Gwen, and that's it. <laughs> like, he just randomly appears towards the end of the fight. Yeah. Oh, well. And I've already said it, but this is my last note about the acting, is that I just love that the kind of... And again, it's writing as well as acting, but I do love the fact that the, the three Spider-Men have this kind of brotherly love thing going on, and they kind of the, the way that they bond was just such a cool thing because those characters would they wouldn't kind of be angry with each other they'd they kind of and it's it's nice to see them all know that they're it's like a burden that's shared being spider-man it's 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 multiversally important you know so yeah um so any last thoughts on any of the acting that we haven't yet talked about from you guys no i think we touched on everything no Okay. Uh, I'm going to move to the direction because I only have like six or seven notes, so I'll just rattle them off. And then if you guys have anything you wanted to shout out, uh, feel free to. Okay. Uh, I have said this is uh, John Watts is back for the third time uh, to do the MCU Spider-Man films. He was the first and for a while only director to have directed all three parts of a trilogy until James Gunn did Guardians of the Galaxy 3. But I think they're still the only two. Um, actually, no, Peyton Reed, I think, did all three Ant-Mans as well unfortunately so yeah (laughs) but at the time (laughs) so yeah Um, and I've already mentioned the the first attack in the traffic with Octavius and then Green Goblin turning up at the end of it and just so good it was reminiscent of the Sam Raimi films and the way they're directed for me Um, I I like little things like whenever Peter is talking on the phone to MJ it does a like little split screen video phone thing for you for the audience or um, the little visual homage with the smashed goblin mask to the kind of amazing uh, Spider-Man number 50 or Spider-Man 2 moment with the Spider-Man no more. Uh, love the, the apartment scene, fight. Epic. Sorry, the scene where Doctor Strange was the astral projection thing and you can see like the spider sense. Yeah, I didn't notice that sense. until I read it on uh, IMDb or somewhere where somebody was like, pay attention because after he's been out of his body for a little while, you see the little wavy lines over his head, which is like the way the comic does spider sense. And I'm like, that's so cool. I would never have noticed that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, completely agree. And... Uh, yeah, as I say, it's very effective when the uh, kind of characters arrive, but you can definitely tell that they are pausing for effect. But again, it's it's a good use of humor, the way that they're kind of not trusting Andrew Garfield and he has to kind of go crawling around the ceiling. And I read somewhere that um, 
the uh, the throwing of the bread roll by MJ at uh, at Andrew Garfield was apparently improvised. Zendaya just did it at the time and was like, "I wanted to see if you had the tingle." And I just love that, without this knowing that this isn't even in the script, that Andrew Garfield's response was like, "I have the tingle, but not for bread." <laughs> just, <laughs> yep. Okay. Funny, funny stuff, man. So, yeah. Uh, any thoughts from you? Anything that stands out in terms of the direction of the movie? Then. Um. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, really. Um, I mean, we have talked at length about, like I said, the, the mirror scenes look fantastic. That last, I mean, we could talk for hours about the just the last fight, the way it's all choreographed on the Statue of Liberty. Uh, the you know, the slightly more Captain America eyes version of it. I think that whole fight scene is just so difficult to pull off and yet done beautifully. You never lose the you know, which character you're following even though the three Spider-Men look very similar, there's never a sense of like what's going on when you're watching one of the others. And I think I posted to our Discord uh, the one shot, which I just think is possibly the most beautiful shot in the MCU when the three Spider-Men just land in different poses as they're all leaping together. And oh, it's just so good. I think it's visually amazing stuff. So yeah, um, cool. So yeah, talking about that, then the last kind of section, well, the last couple of sections, we'll start with the VFX. Uh, and as I said, I've mentioned already the improved villain appearances for the Goblin and the Electro. The CGI for Lizard and Sandman was good, but I think it was overused. Quite obvious that the actor wasn't there and that when they're cured, they're just using like stock footage at the end of the film. Um, one thing I did find incredible was that when I read that um, to make them appear the same as they were, that both Willem Dafoe and Alfred Molina had been de-aged to the way they looked back in the day because... That's flawless. I could not have told you that that was de-aging stuff the way that... Like, again, Toby, you were on the Captain Marvel review and we mentioned like the Nick Fury yeah. de-aging was a little bit iffy. I'd say this one is just... You, you can't even tell. <laughs> no, it, it, it looks great. Yeah. Um, I read somewhere as well that the, uh, the Doc Ock tentacles are entirely CGI in this movie when they were previously mostly practical with a mix of a little bit of CG. And again, I think it works really well, uh, which I don't always normally agree with. But I can't. Again, I can't tell that it's purely CGI. There was nothing actually physically there on set, and they look just the same as the previous ones to me. Um, I like the little touch of, and again, it took me so long to realize this that when he's trying to clean his suit and he can't get it clean, Spider-Man, and he goes to get Electro, it looks like for some reason I always thought he was wearing a new suit, but it's just the actual suit turned yeah. inside out. <laughs> they show a scene where he's that's when he's cleaning it, and he just turns it off, and he's like, hey. Yeah, this, this looks alright. Which is why it's like black, but with little bits of what looks like exposed wiring and stuff on the yeah. outside. I was like, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Uh, I love, love, love the actual suits that we get at the end of the movie. I hope this isn't the only time we see it because, for me, it's just finally, like I said, the way it takes inspiration from uh, Maguire's spider symbol, Garfield's bright primary colors, the fact that it's fabric and not an Iron Man suit. How how vibrant and bright the red and especially the blue is. I, I really love it, and I want to see it again. <laughs> and uh, I love the animated credits at the end as well. The fact that everybody gets a little cartoon drawing. So, yeah. Um, any thoughts from you guys on any of the stuff I've mentioned there or about just visual effects or special effects in general? I, I really like the effect in the end with the, the time lifts. Oh, yeah. mm. I think that looks really, really good. Yeah. Definitely. Even though, like I said, I still can't make out those silhouettes, but you know, apparently you know, real people or, or people like our Harry can. <laughs> so, yeah. there's, a, there's a lot more, but like the ones that they show are pretty easy to work out. Yeah. Too, cool. Um, I forgot to mention as well, by the way, uh, not really a visual effects thing, but there is a nice Easter egg to the Hawkeye TV series. Because uh, yeah, throughout the film, but notably... Right. 
well, he goes past that eight-rate ice rink. That's one of yeah. them. But notably at the start of the film and a few times throughout, he actually goes by a billboard for Rogers the Musical, um, which we see in Hawkeye. Yeah. So nice bit of, uh, you know, <laughs> brand synergy, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, I'll move to the music and sound then and just say that uh, I've written here, uh, Michael Giacchino is the, the composer for this. He references the themes from previous Spider-Man films by Hans Zimmer, James Horner, Christopher Young and Danny Elfman, um, plus his own themes from Doctor Strange 2016. Uh, regarding the use of the other themes, Giacchino said he didn't want there used to be fan service and found ways to include them in a very targeted way. Uh, him and the director Watts were very much in alignment in terms of when to use them and when not to use them for maximum effect. I will say I did notice myself that um, during the curing of the villains scenes, uh, they always play the, uh, the the end of Spider-Man's Danny Elfman theme from the first two Spider-Man films because I know that theme off by heart because I had the for a long time my message tone was the Mary Jane Watson "Go Get 'Em Tiger" quote from the end of Spider-Man hmm. Two, and the end of that little bit of music always plays before that quote, so I'm, it's ingrained in my brain. Go get 'em, Tiger. Curing them and that little cue played, I was always like, that's from the Sam Raimi films. <laughs> so, yeah, it's also nice that uh, Betty Brandt gets to see a go get him tiger at the start of this movie as a sly little Easter egg mm. or spider. <laughs> I remember when this movie was coming out, they made like a Daily Bugle TikTok account. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's just, it just like her just promoting the entire movie, yeah, like little, actress, yeah. little snippets, little updates like every day leading up towards it. Yeah, I did say that because she was like the, uh, the the kind of social media presence for the Daily Bugle. Uh, the actress is called Angori Rice, and she's the lead in the new Mean Girls musical that's uh, just been out as the time of listening. So, yeah, uh, a very good. Like, there's a lot of minor characters that we don't get a chance to mention because there's so much packed in. But like her and uh, Tony Revolori, both yeah. really good, like supporting and, and comedy type characters. Um, yeah, I love it. Uh, Music-wise, obviously, we know this is set at Christmas because they start playing Deck the Halls at one point, which is kind of like, it's so weird when that happened for me because I was so jarring, like, oh, yeah, forget this takes place in at Christmas time. <laughs> uh, and apparently, uh, the song three, it's the magic number, which is brilliant, by the way, clever usage of it for the uh, reference to the Spider-Man. Apparently, it had a massive chart success off the back of this movie and went to, like, the top ten in the charts for the first time in decades. Yeah, I just want to say, I always make a note of like little geeky things like this, so apologies if you uh, find it a bit too nerdy, but in the scene on the bridge where Doc Ock first appears, uh, there's a license plate on the car that says 63ASM-3, uh, which is a reference to The Amazing Spider-Man, Volume 1, Issue Number 3, released in 1963, which was the first appearance of Dr. Octopus, which is quite fitting for his first appearance in the movie. I love anything like that. It's just really Yeah, cool. I, I watch like breakdowns of movies or TV shows after they come out and always point that out. It's on like yeah. a bus somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would never notice it, but then when you know it, it's kind of so cool, isn't it? So, yeah. Well, uh, we'll jump into the next section then. Harry, this might be new to you because you're a first-time guest, but what we're going to do now is we're going to go through and give our favourite character, then our favourite moment or scene in the movie, then our favourite line. Uh, and Toby, you've done this before, so presumably you have uh, something written. So... We'll start with you. What was your favorite character in the movie? <laughs> it's funny because I always forget that this accent. <laughs> I was like, oh, wait. <laughs> no, but, uh, well, but I have a favorite Then you're character. all on the spot. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, have, I have a favorite character. I can say. Um, 
I, you know, I love, I love going for more side characters that I think really shine. And I think for this movie, who really stood out is is Otto Octavius. I think his arc is mm. just really cool in this movie and so cleverly written. And cool. Yeah, that's fair enough. And um, what about you, then, Harry? Do you have a favorite character in the movie? Uh, I think I'll go with Green Goblin from the Falls, just Ooh, okay. first in the movie. Okay. I like how everything's going to come full circle with starts with Green Goblin as, as the villain, as villain in Spider-Man One, mm. with Andrew to a film as well. Yeah, it's true. Apparently, yeah, I did read somewhere that they weren't going to have Green Goblin be the main villain of this movie, but then they realised it was just it, it made sense, and it totally does. So yeah, I can see what you're saying. Not the most likable character, but certainly your uh, favorite like performance and the way it's portrayed. Mm-hmm. For sure, uh, my favorite character I've said is Peter Parker slash Spider Man, and I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to be <laughs> any more. <laughs> I'm not going to specify any further than that because you know it's the multiverse. I'm bending the rules, so I'm picking three characters. <laughs> what do you want from me? Uh, cool. Uh, so Toby, do you have a favorite moment or scene in the movie? Um. Yeah, I, I think my favorite moment is is uh, the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man catching this MJ. I think I think that's just a really nice callback, really nice moment for him. And then this this are you okay? And then are you okay? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's really, your really cool. Yeah. Oh bless. That's that is really good. Uh, what about you, Harry then? Friends when uh when Peter realizes that Normally, switch personalities like he's became the goblin, like his spider mm. sense is that going to the oh, yeah. yeah, he's able to I... detect that something's went wrong. Yeah, I forgot about that scene, and that scene is really good because he's like everybody's on edge, and as you say, it's just the spider sense is going like something's up here. What is it? And then that's when you just get Norman giving the different voice and everything. Really good scene, I agree. Uh, my favorite scene is, as I've kind of already alluded to, it's the three Spider-Men interacting. So it's the moment before the big fight when they start talking about, like I said, comparing villains and talking about, like, um, Toby Maguire's saw back or you can shoot spider webs out of your uh, wrists and we can't. And, oh, I'm one of the Avengers. You don't have the Avengers on your world. And now is it a band or what <laughs> kind of thing? And I just think that's a, such a cool kind of use of those characters. And, and yeah, I love that they all interact as friends and that they're all trying to big up when Andrew Garfield starts feeling depressed and is like, I want, I want you to see it. You're amazing. You know, you, you, you're too hard on yourself. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I, I, I can't prove this, but I feel like the, the more fun stuff version has a significantly longer, th- this moment where they all talk with each other at the Statue of Liberty is, I think, a lot longer in this ah. movie. And it, I, I feel like because it goes on so long, I'm like, Okay, we did this now. Can we move out? <laughs> we're comparing every detail and every story. And I'm like, yeah, we, we kind of got it now. Yeah. Well, there's two moments in the, in the theatrical version of the film. It's actually split into two moments because there's a moment before the bad guys arrive when they kind of, before they fight. And then there's a moment when they kind of, they kind of, they, they tried to fight them and they basically lost terribly. And that's when they say like, what's going on? We're getting completely schooled here. And we, I thought you were Peter too. And no, no, we'll, we'll take them on one at a time. And, that's the best way to do it kind of thing so yeah i like all of that personally but yeah i haven't seen the more fun stuff version i did i forgot to say up top i just watched uh, my 4k of the regular version because the more fun stuff isn't available i don't think on home media but i know it's the one that's currently on netflix so it's the one that you two watched so, so we're both uh, on netflix you can yeah. actually all the movies are on netflix 
Oh, okay, fair enough. Cool. So, is there anything else? Uh, for everyone else, but that's all enough. Oh, cool. Uh, so, was there anything else that stood out then before I talk about favorite lines uh, from the more fun stuff version since we mentioned it? I, I, after watching, looked up what else was more because I didn't notice. And it, there are just some moments like the interrogation scene is slightly longer. There's some more school scenes, apparently. But yeah, I read there's more with the other the difference here, though. There's yeah, one but, like deleted scene that they brought back. Mm. Yeah, but they, they all fit in very well. So I didn't notice. I just noticed that the one interaction between these three was so long. I was like, yeah. That's probably why it was put down. And yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. have to look up the differences at some point and just see what they are. And uh, like, it may even be on the, uh, the the Blu-ray as deleted scenes. I'll have to have a look. But I've never really watched any of that. I just watched the movie because, as we said, the movie's like two hours and forty minutes anyway. It's pretty long. Mm -hmm. So yeah, cool. Uh, so yeah, favorite lines. Then we'll uh, we'll go around and ask you, Toby. Do you have a favorite line from the oh, movie? No, favorite line. Hmm. Mm. Favorite line? Not really. I'm trying to think. There's a lot to be fair. There's humorous lines. There's like emotional lines. There's yeah. uh, whatever. But narrowing yeah. down to one is is hard right now. I I have to think a minute. Fair enough. Do you have anything that sticks out, Harry? At all? Uh, I like the scenes where when Ned finds out he's got magic and he's. Tone up your voice. He's like, yeah, I'm totally magic now. I'm magic now. I got Doctor Strange magic. <laughs> That's cool. That's a good one. Um, yeah, it was actually from the end of the movie. I think it sums it up quite well. And it's basically when Peter is at Aunt May's grave and Happy Hogan arrives. Oh, I lost a good friend a while back. Felt like this. hurts because they're gone and then it hurts all over again because you remember what they stood for and you wonder is all that gone too no it's not gone everyone that she helped they'll keep it going you really think so i know it which I think is it's a great summation of the themes of the film overall. Uh, and it's also always nice to get a reference back to Tony Stark's too, <laughs> I guess. So, yeah. Uh, anything springing out to you, Toby? Um, well, it's a, it's a funny line that I just think is funny. Is So, do you have a best friend too? I did. You... He died in my arms after he tried to kill me. It's heartbreaking. Dude. Yeah, and then, and then later he, he he tells Peter that he's not going to. Even though we know that in the comic he becomes Hobgoblin, so Hobgoblin, I'll make a slight yeah. reference to that as well. So, cool. Uh, right, well, I'm going to jump into the audience response uh, section now because it's not super long, uh, and then we'll come back and give our conclusions and our score out of five stars. So be ready, uh, gents, for that. 
Uh, but yeah, uh, I'm going to start Aaron's interaction. I'm probably going to start doing this a little bit more from now on uh, with just general overview of the kind of the critical response overall of the film and the financial response. So I will say that this film received positive reviews from critics and grossed over $1.9 billion worldwide, surpassing its predecessor as the highest grossing film released by Sony Pictures. It became the highest grossing film of 2021, the sixth highest grossing film of all time, the highest grossing Spider-Man film and set several other box office records including those for films released during the COVID-19 pandemic. The film received a nomination for Best Visual Effects at the 94th Academy Awards, among numerous other accolades. So, yeah, and I did put out uh, messages throughout social media, just asking what everybody's uh, thoughts were on uh, on Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, DK, even though he couldn't be on this episode, did provide us with some feedback. So thanks for that, DK. He just said uh, he gives the film four and a half stars and says, the best Spider-Man movie, if only for the sheer amount of stuff this thing crams into its runtime, and that's before the relentless waves of emotion begin to bombard you. Uh, it loses half a star for not featuring more Venom and for being too late to include Stan. R.I.P. Absolutely. From Facebook, I have a few things. Uh, Ian Scone says, I loved it personally. Uh, Connor Esser, uh, hi Connor, he's been on the podcast a few times, says, five stars times three Spider-Man equals 15 stars. Uh, and his partner in crime, George White, from the Pasty Sheep uh, podcast says, as a first-time cinema experience, perfect on a rewatch, not so much. Would have loved the original Craven idea. Glad his origin story came full circle. Give us street-level level college dropout Spidey, Peter Parker, pre-Parker Industries. Yeah, I did read somewhere there was originally a plan to feature a Craven the Hunter story before they went on the multiverse angle, but uh, Tom Holland and the director haven't said what that would be in case it still happens, which it might, you never know. Uh, also from Facebook, Laura Johnson says... I absolutely adored it. For me, Andrew was my favorite Spider-Man, and I'm so glad we got to see them all together and share their own versions. The dynamic and chemistry between the three of them was absolutely brilliant, from them talking about how their suits work to their losses. One of the most perfect Marvel movies, in my opinion. And from over on Twitter, uh, Mary is owning 2024 at Brand New Mary. Hello, Mary. Uh, says, OMG, I went to see this having watched next to nothing in the MCU, but I did watch Toby's Spider-Man, and let me tell you, it was a super fun movie. I laughed and cried. What a great movie. Uh, and Thomas Labanick at T Labanick just says, awesome. Definitely hit me in the feels with the death, fun and heartwarming and sad. Great movie. JA Productions, Jamie on our Discord, sort of chimed in and says, I haven't thought this, about this movie since it came out, to be honest, which is surprising because of how big a deal it was. It's due a rewatch as the only time I saw it, it was in the cinema and I was definitely swept up by the surprises, so I couldn't look at the film critically. So there we go. Uh, and that's uh, all of the audience response. So... Uh, fellas, as I say, we uh, all that's left for us to do is to give our conclusions, if we have anything we wanted to say, uh, kind of final thoughts, and then give a score out of five. Again, Toby, you've done this before. Harry, this will probably be a first-time experience for you. Uh, so do you guys want to? Do you want me to go first before I uh, put the pressure on you? Or, no? I can start. Um, okay, Toby, you, you take us away then. You, you start for us. <laughs> um, yeah, so... I already talked about this on the Discord, but for people that are not there, um, I I initially didn't even plan to watch this movie for the review because I remember it very well and I don't have time in my life. And then I decided to, you know what, I'm going to put it on my second screen while doing something else so that at least I can refresh myself on the plot point. And after 30 minutes, I just started, went downstairs, put gone to my big TV and said, you know what, I'm going to watch it. Because <laughs> Spider-Man movies have just such an energy to them that they're just always fun, always great watch. Um, there's, there's just an energy to Spider-Man that just other superheroes, superhero movies just cannot replicate, I think. Just yeah. an 
really great energy to it. And this movie um, is doing this, this energy, doing this perfectly, bringing up other Spider-Mans, showing the differences between them, their little quirks that they have, um, bringing all the villains in, trying to pick some stuff from the other movies as well, but also having it and, and this trilogy also picks it up from this trilogy, but having it for the most part feel not very retroactively tinkering with stuff. Mm. It feels very organic in most things. And um, yeah, the plot is great. Uh, the ending the ending is great. The ending, I mean, we see how this goes on with Spider-Man 4. And I think this would have been more of a place for a reboot, but money talks and we will have another one. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, but <clears throat> we're talking about this movie. Uh, yeah, I, I just have give this movie. We, we're doing out of five, out of ten, out of, out of five, eight. always. Yeah, out of five. Okay, we're doing five out of five then. Wow. Okay. Cool. Um, I'll go next, Harry, to give you a chance to gather your thoughts because I know you haven't done this before and uh, think of what you want to say. So mine's always written down and uh, thought about because I always like to write it and get my thoughts in gear. So if it sounds like I'm reading it, that's usually why. Uh, I just said, if I can find it, there it is. Um, a little bit about me. I bloody love Spider-Man. I always say it's a toss-up between Spidey and Superman for my favorite superhero or, heck, my favorite fictional character. I love the comics. I grew up with the cartoons, then the films, and they mean the world to me. I've even got action figures of Spidey and Doc Ock from Spider-Man 2 that I've had since 2004. All this to say that, yeah, I might not be the most subjective reviewer, but screw it. This is a special film, and it could have been custom-made just for me. I may not be able to say it's flawless with nitpicks I could mention, but it's a situation where I just don't give a crap about any problems because they're far outweighed by the great stuff we got. Repairing the MCU Spider-Man would have been enough, but the fan service, and I use the term in the best way here, was just sublime. Characters I never thought I'd see again came back. They had an arc. They were relevant to the story, and it just hit me in the feels, and so did that ending. People will poo-poo comic book films in the MCU and Phase 4 and whatever else, but these really are our modern myths, and this is what it's all about for me. Heroism, sacrifice, tough choices, companionship, identity, and way more. The best use of the multiverse by far. A brilliant Spider-Man movie and a powerful experience that I just unapologetically love and could rave about for hours. But instead, uh, I'll just say five out of five for me as well. <laughs> so, Harry, uh, any sort of conclusion, thoughts, and a score mm. out of five from you? I think uh, this was the most excited I ever was for a Marvel movie. Wow. Probably the last time I have been excited for a Marvel movie. <laughs> for a while. Yeah. It, was, it was like... It's like I was watching my childhood on screen. I'd spend so much time watching Spider-Man with my sister or just other family. Mm. And uh, so that was a great experience the first time watching it. Now, two years later, first time I've watched it again afterwards. It's been forgiven better since I've watched them all the live-action Spider-Man movies together. So it's built up to it. I'm also playing Spider-Man 2 at the minute as well, so it's been a very oh, Spider-Man week. <laughs> you're so sly. You've got the Spider-Man 2 game as well. <laughs> Nearly finished. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> All right, sure so, enough. And the, <laughs> so now this is a 505 movie. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, uh, well, it's not hard to work out the average then. Uh, this is uh, fives out of fives, everyone. So this is the second film ever on the Silver Screen Podcast to get a perfect score of five out of five. Well done, Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, fantastic stuff.
so yeah, um, thanks so much to both of you guys, for Toby, for uh, joining me on yet another Marvel thing, and for Harry for uh, appearing for the first time on the podcast. Did you find it uh, relatively painless, Harry? You enjoyed it? It's very fun. Awesome. Cool. Well, we might have you on again sometime if we talk anything geeky, so mm. uh, keep an ear out and uh, give my best to uh, to your mom and family, <laughs> obviously. And uh, yeah, thanks mm. if you're uh, still listening. Thanks for listening to this review. Uh, hopefully we're all going to be heading off to see Madam Web and enjoying it in cinema soon. Uh, in the meantime, you can always find uh, me and the podcast at all of the links that are in the episode description. Feel free to tip us or buy us a coffee at our coffee account that's in there as well. Uh, chat us up on social media. Get in touch if you'd like to be a guest or email us. All the information will always be in the uh, the uh, information box below. Toby, do you have anyone that you wanted to anywhere you want to shout out or anywhere people can find you? Mm, no, <laughs> currently not yet. Definitely, nope, there might enough. be something coming up. Like when the next time I am um, a guest, hopefully it is ready. <laughs> Which I think it will be a while when I'm, I don't have my schedule. That's fair. Enough. What about you? Happy So <laughs> okay. Yay! Welcome me no, to something. You've got nothing to uh, to share either, Harry, no? No. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, you can probably hopefully hear these two on the podcast again. I know, Toby, we do have a, another one planned relatively soon, and it's definitely not a Marvel sure. one for what? once. What? Well, I say relatively soon. It's it's this year. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. I was going to say, isn't the next one like June or something or July? It's a while away, actually, but, you know. <laughs> soon. <laughs> Maybe I was exaggerating when I said soon. I'm, I'm wishing well, the year away. It's, it's the MCU version of soon. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Well before we get any plot resolution to the MCU post-credits. But uh, yeah, cool. So as I say, hopefully you've enjoyed this little tie-in to the newest Sony Spider-Man release. Or if you've just wanted to revisit Spider-Man No Way Home or, like Harry, just revisit all of the Spider-Man films, hopefully you've enjoyed uh, taking this trip with us. And uh, we look forward to seeing the three Sony films this year. And hopefully at some point soon-ish, seeing uh, Beyond the Spider-Verse and seeing what that can do. So... Uh, stay tuned to the Silver Screen Podcast. We'll always be back with more reviews, uh, whether it be cult classics with TK, the regular ones with me here, or uh, any upcoming surprises that you may have or that we may have revealed by this point. And uh, yeah, uh, thanks again, as I said, everybody that's uh, joined us for this episode. Thank you to my two guests. And remember, in the epic words of Arnie, we'll be back. I'll be back. You've been listening to the Silver Screen Podcast. Hosted by Michael Wilson and DK. Produced and edited by Mike Wilson. Additional material and behind-the-scenes sections by DK. Follow us on social media. Links to all of our social media pages can be found via the Linktree page listed in the episode's description. This podcast is part of the Mike's Podcast Network. You can listen to this and our sister podcasts on all good podcast providers by searching for Silver Screen Podcast or Mike's Podcasts. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share far and wide. Thank you for joining us. Come back next time for more movie magic, and hopefully this can be the beginning of a beautiful friendship.